Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. It's good to be back with you. You guys have good Christmas and good start of a New Year's. Yes, that's good. That's good. You guys are nodding. That's good. All right. Um, when I was speaking with Eliza, trying to figure out, okay, um, you know, what to speak on, she had said that the, the, one of the things that you guys as a group have on your heart uh, and the topic that's on, that comes up regularly is how to grow in faith. And when I heard that, I was so moved. Wow, that's awesome. And imagining how much God's heart was moved to hear that his children at THMC, their desire is to grow in trust, grow in, in faith in the Lord. And so as I was thinking about um, well, how do I share my story about how I, what has helped me grow in my, um, or helping me grow in my faith and in my trust in the Lord, I could kind of, you know, um, share a lot of different disciplines, right? I think Pastor Sam Bang last week spoke on the Word, how the Word has really helped him grow in his faith. And I think that if you ask different people, different people will have different answers to that because there are a lot of spiritual disciplines, Right? There's spiritual disciplines of reading and memorizing and studying, and then there's praying and intercession and fasting, and there's giving and giving of tithing and offering and giving of your service, and, and there's going missions and, and, and all these things that the Christian disciplines have, have offered in a way that brings us closer to the Lord and to shape us in becoming more like Christ. I think at the end of the day, that should be our goal, right? That we become more like Christ. That we don't do these practices out of, for the sake of doing the practices or somehow hoping magically it'll become you know, sort of magic dust that helps us to become more like Christ or mature, whatever that means, right? So um, I could share about those things because, you know, I'm a little bit older than all of you guys, and so I've lived a few years, a few years, just few, <laughs> um, more than you, and, and, and I grew up in, uh, in church. I grew up uh, in a Christian family. I was born into a Christian family, grew up in a Christian family. So I have seen and watched my grandmother, my mom, people around me, you know, dedicate themselves to these wonderful and necessary and pivotal disciplines that we call spiritual practices. Um, but I wanted to do something a little bit different and approach it a little bit differently. Because for me, um, I think that one of the things that, and, and as I share, you'll realize, wow, Chris is quite self-centered. Um, and, and that is my confession. So I have always sort of approached Christian disciplines. You know, how do I grow in faith? With, with the purpose of me gaining something. How do I become a good Christian, right? So then to be a good Christian, I have to do all of these things. How do I become mature Christian? How do I become strong Christian? So there is always sort of this um, what is it in for me? Like, how do I get there? Even though those are good goals, right? Being a good Christian is not a bad thing. <laughs> it's a good goal. But the focus is on me. And it, it took a long time, honestly, 
for me to come to a different perspective in my spiritual growth and why I do the things that I do. Um, before I go into that, though, I do want to share a video. And I think, is it this one? So I do want to share a video because my title is Know Your Why, right? And so I want to share the why, the why to what I do, the practices that I do. And hopefully, it will give you time to reflect why you do what you do as Christians. Why are you here this morning? Why do we worship? Why, why are we called to give? Why are we called to go in missions? Why, why do we do what we do? I think it's important for us to kind of start from there. So I want to share that, but share that about my life. But before, I want to show you this video. How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The, the question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like for instance, um, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy, I can write books, I can be in a movie because all of it is motivated by my why. In fact, I have a new, uh, a new web series out called Michael Jr. Break Time. Uh, we probably just did the sixth episode. It's on YouTube. So every single Wednesday at 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break Time. What it is is it's me. I travel around the country, and I do stand-up comedy, in case you didn't know. And in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this, and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. So we're in Winston-Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right. So um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That bro could sing, you know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick, if you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing.
Here's what I want you to catch. Oh, there you go. All right, so the first time he sang, he just sang, right? Because he was told, can you sing? And he sang. And then second time he sang, he was given a context. He knew what, you know, in that, within that context can he sing, and it was totally different. And uh, what Michael Jr. actually says is that when we know why, when we know why we do what we do, it gives purpose and power to our what, right? But oftentimes in Christianity, I think we do the what, the spiritual disciplines, without clearly knowing why we do what we do. At least it was for me, okay? So this is sort of my sharing of my journey, right? I told you earlier on that I wanted to be a good Christian. I wanted to be a mature Christian. I want to be a strong Christian, and those goals are admirable. I think that's sort of a lot of our, our, our desires, right? So the desire in itself isn't bad, but what I realize is that it may have been misleading, and it fell short in some sense in my, in my life. I believe now that there is no such thing as a good Christian or even I mean, there's maturity, but we shouldn't have a noun in front of the word Christian. Because the word Christian means mini Christ. That we are the image bearer of Christ. That we are Christ followers. But not just, oh, somebody who follows, like I'm in that group. But I represent Christ. So if I am representing Christ, and I'm a mini Christ, little anointed one, then how can I be a good Christian? Or the opposite is immature Christian, as I'm representing Christ in fullness of who he is. I'm the image bearer of Christ, marked by his cross. So I realized, okay, maybe my starting point, or my aim is wrong. The other part of, of me doing these spiritual disciplines in it of themselves is that the burden is all on me, right? I have to read more. I have to give more. I have to serve more. I have to do the right things more, 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 and more. And honestly, it can get tiring. It can get like, I, I'm like, this is an unachievable, unachievable goal. Because more I do, I feel like I have to do more. You know, it's not enough. I can't, there doesn't seem to be an end. So as I struggle with these things in my own life, and I, as I said, it took some time to get to sort of realizing, oh, maybe I, I need to have a shift in my perspective. And that perspective, uh, that why for me, the why for me is found in this verse that we read. Um, in John 15, especially verses 14 and 15, I'll read it again. It says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business, or know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends 
for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus calls me friend. Jesus calls me friend. And I have no, I realized that that should be my starting point. It's not me trying to get to somewhere, but realizing where I am already. The, that shift seems very minor in some sense, but it was monumental for me. Because that meant that I didn't have to strive so hard to be somewhere or do something, but because I was already am a friend of God, an intimate friend of God. When we're talking friends, we're not like saying, oh, it's just like I had this kind of friend and that kind of friend, you know, I have good friends, like very intimate, and then I have just friends. No, when we're talking about friends in biblical terms, it's this profound love that is shared among people. Okay? And God says, I you are my friend. So let me give you a scenario sort of kind of to understand what impact does that have, where we stare, where we start, right? So let's imagine that your parents are coming to visit you for a month, okay? And that you are trying very hard to prepare for their arrival. So you go to the grocery store and prepare the kind of food that they like because maybe, you know, you're vegan and they're not. I don't know. <laughs> and so you prepare the kinds of food that they like. And you prepare their room, making sure that it's comfortable. Because, you know, California is quite dry. So you make sure that there's humidifier and, you know, there's a, uh, maybe some flowers and pillows are comfortable. So you, you make sure that those things are in set place. And then you think, oh, you know, like you're thinking about all the places that you want to take them in California, right? All the fun places, the must-see places. And then how can you be in California and not have good food? Right? I mean, California is known for its food, so you plan out all the restaurants that you want to take them to. So you do all these things, you plan things, and then you actually do them when they come. Now, of course, hosting anybody for a month is a lot of work. I could tell you. I, I, I can tell you. Okay? It's tiring. But aside from just being tired because you're hosting, let me ask you, two scenarios, maybe with two different motivations and how people may feel afterwards. One is a child who is securely, um, secured in their relationship with their parents. Maybe he, you know, he is well-loved, and out of that love, he is planning all of this. Versus another person who, is, who has an insecure relationship with his parents. And so the motivation for him, although not be a reality to him, or he may not see it right away, but there is an undercurrent of wanting to be pleased, wanting to be loved, wanting to be accepted, validated. So at the end of the trip, which child would you find to have uh, sort of joy overflowing, secured, grounded, in love, which one would it be? The one who, with a secure relationship or one with an insecure relationship? It's obvious, right? It's the one who is secure because he is working from the position of the love that he has experienced from his parents and he is 
reciprocating, and there is a reciprocating kind of relationship. Whereas the second one, who does not have secure relationship for whatever reason, there is that constant wanting something back, but that, that, that longing, more he tries, may not feel like he gets it. I'm telling you this story from actually my own life. And it is true, more I try, it's hard. It feels like I'm never getting to that point of feeling seen, validated, loved, and appreciated. So where we start is very important. The why is very important. And for me, wanting to be a good Christian was not the right place to start. It was when I realized I was being invited to start from being a friend of God that changed everything for me. A friend of God. So in the Bible, Abraham, we all know, is, was called friend of God. He was called a friend of God in Isaiah and also in James 3. In James 3, it says that he was a friend of God because he did, he, he believed what God said, and he did what God said. And that was counted to him as righteous, and he, became, he was called a friend of God. He was a friend of God because he listened to what God had to say. Now, um, just verse 14 alone in our John uh, 15 sounds a little, it can sound a little bit like, oh, God is very selfish too. There's, it's like transactional kind of love. You know, if you do my commands, you're my friend. So how would you like to have a friend like that? Like do what I tell you, then you can be my friend, right? It sounds kind of <laughs> transactional, very selfish, right? But then we, that's why I think we need to read uh, verse 15 because he tells us, hey, you're not my slave, because slaves don't, if, if a slave and master don't share hearts together, but you're my friend, so I share my heart with you, and everything that I know from my father, I have shared it with you. Everything that Jesus knew from the father, he shared it with us. So we have a privy to heaven's secret. That's where we are and who we are. That's the kind of position that we can take in. So from this position of being a friend of God, then motivates me to do all the other things. But being a friend of God is kind of confusing at times. How do you befriend God? I mean, after all, he is God, right? He is almighty. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere. He's, a, he's God who, nothing is impossible for him. And he is God who is never wrong, so he is always right. And he is absolutely just, right in his, all his uh, decisions. So, how can we, mere humans, befriend God? See, God is not confused as to who he is. He can be all. He can be our, our father. 
He can be our protector. He can be our savior. He can be our, our uh, friend. He can be our king. He can be our God. He has no problem being all of that, all at once. But we, I, get confused sometimes. Am I a child of God? Am I a lover of God? Am I a servant of God? Am I, you know, like, what am I? How do I position myself as such? And I think that it's, for me, in, in trying to understand sort of who I am and how do I position myself in being a friend of God, I, this sort of illustration helps me. I have three grown children, uh, children, and the way I deal with my children as they're, my, they're grown adult children is quite different than when they were little. When they were little, I would, you know, my time is teaching them and directing them and, and, you know, making sure that they know what to do and when to do them and, and all of these things. But as grown children, I, you know, I don't do, tell them what to do and when to do it and, and all of these things. Rather, now, because they're grown, we have heart-to-heart -heart conversations more and more. We have meaningful conversations that, that you know, about world affairs and what they're going through and all of these things. There is a shift from this, this sort of directing and, and, and talking about small things to bigger things that matter in their lives at, at that time. But that doesn't mean that I'm no longer their parents. It's not that I'm no longer their mother. I'm still their mother. I'm going to be their mother for the rest of my life that I'm alive. And even after I'm gone, I'm going to be their mother. That never changes. But the way I deal with my kids and the way my kids have relationship with me changes have changed and will change, right? So that's how I see my relationship and how I can, a mere human being, befriend God. The biblical understanding of friendship with God is me coming in absolute, under the authority of who God is, with the heart of knowing God's, God's heart fully. That's biblical understanding of friendship with God. God is God. He will always be God. But I get the privy, the privilege of knowing what's on God's heart. And that's where I start from. That, that I recognize that God is God in my life. But I have this delightful, wonderful, incredible privy to his heart, to know what's on God's heart. Not just on his mind, but on his heart. So that is my, my why. Why I do the, the spiritual disciplines, the, the reading and the, and the prayer and worshiping, all of that, it helps me to prepare my heart to hear what God has to say. But there's the what. Right? It always ends with like, so what do you do? How do you, how do you cultivate and, and fuel that why? And for me, that why or that what, oh, this is going to get confusing, why and what. So the what for me is 
that intimacy, fostering the intimacy with God. Right? I'm a, a, a good friend. It's not just, you know, somebody who just hangs out and, you know, you just, like, have a warm body, but someone you can really have deep conversations with, and that requires intimacy. So for me to have that intimacy, I got to get into listening to what he has to say, right? So again, in the Bible, another person who is called a friend of God is Moses. And, and I think it's Exodus 33, 11, it says that God spoke to Moses face to face like a friend. Can you imagine God talking to you face to face? Like, oh my goodness, I can't wait for that day when I am able to stand in front of God and God speaking to me face to face. Moses had that privilege. And Moses spoke to God very often. He's like, what? What do you want me to do? These people are complaining again. So, you know, he's constantly talking to God, checking in with him and asking him what to do and how to do it and so forth. So a good friend is in constant conversation to know the heart of the other person. So conversation, we say it so, you know, um, <clears throat> maybe uh, religiously, but it's called prayer. Prayer is our conversation, right? But what happens in prayer in most of us is that we go to God and say, God, this is what I need, this is, you know, what I want, and this is when I need it, and then say amen and we're finished. But if we want to be a good friend, if we want to be a friend that really is deemed good, is one who listens one who listens well, one who listens deeply. And then it just doesn't stop there, but that when you hear your friend's desire, your friend's deepest longings, what do you want to do? You, it's move, it moves you to do want to do something for that friend, right? So that is my what. So how do I do that? Right? Am I praying all day long, 24-7 on my knees? No, I don't. <laughs> but I have this posture, and I have developed it, and I'm still developing, and I'm still cultivating this habit of being able to kind of constantly have my one ear to the Lord, have this posture of God, like, what are you saying throughout the day, checking in with God? You know, am I doing okay? How are you feeling? Am I, am I honoring you? And then I ask God for his opinions. I ask, for, ask God for his wisdom. I ask God for a direction. I ask, you know, I'm constantly in contact and in posture of listening. So one of the examples that I want to share with you in, in what happens when you're listening, right? When you're listening, when you're listening to, and, and it's not like an audible voice, but it comes like in this sort of subtle way, right? So one time, I felt led to send a friend of mine a scarf. And with that scarf, I wrote a little note saying, uh, every time you wear it, I hope that it brings comfort to you. And, and comfort to you and that, that God is comforting you. I think that's how I said it. And then um, a few days after she received the scarf, her mom passed away. And so 
she told me that whenever she wore the scarf, she was reminded, it was a physical representation that God was with her and that God was comforting her. Now, I would have never known to do that, you know, that it would, that her mom would, would pass away and, and God would use this as a reminder for her, but God knew. And because I was listening into what he was telling me to do and I actually act upon it, that it served the other person well that it encouraged her, that it spoke to her that God was with her, that God was comforting her. So that is my why, and that is my what. My why is that I I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. That is what causes me to do all the other things. And the main what that helps me to be a good friend of God is to listen well and be ready to do what he says. So those, th- these, this practice, sort of listening and being ready to do what he wants is what has helped me grow in my faith. That I don't get to choose, pick and choose where I'm going to obey and how I'm going to obey, but I'm listening into hearing what God says. And that may come in the reading of scripture, that may come in the way of, of um, you know, worshiping or talking with other people, or it might just, a, a thought might come into my mind. But I'm always in the posture of listening. So I hope that helps you in some sense or at least give you a reflection as to why do I do what I do? Why am I striving to be a Christian? What it is that I want from the Lord? So I hope that it gives you some reflection point. Is that helpful at all? I feel like I blew through that, but it's already one, almost 1.30. So then can I ask you to maybe stand up And I want to just give you some time to reflect, okay? I want to give you some time to reflect. What is your why? Do you know your why? And is your why fueling what you do? Okay? What is your why in your relationship with God? Perhaps you began this journey in faith because you wanted a ticket to heaven. And maybe for you, there is an invitation from God that that you might experience deeper love and acceptance from God. Perhaps there are some of you who are here who has genuine desire to know God. So could the invitation for you be to sit longer, sit more often at the foot of Jesus? Maybe you already know how to have conversations with God. Then perhaps the the invitation for you is to ask, are you a good friend? 
Are you listening with the intention to bring honor to God? Which one are you? Take a moment and ask yourself this question and ask God to reveal this to you. And perhaps there is someone here and your question is not what is my why, but why God? If you're this person, know that God is extending his invitation to come and see how good of a friend he is. And all you have to do is accept this invitation. Okay. So as you um, search and reflect on your why, try to listen in to what God has to say, if it matches with what God's why is. Sometimes our Christian law can feel like we're on a hamster wheel just going around and around and around. But God's desire for us is that we have abundant life and exceeding joy. And that can come when we are secure in our relationship with God and who we are in God. That we don't try to, uh, to get to God and please God uh, because we are trying to be accepted by him but when we already know that we are fully accepted, fully loved, fully known, then we can experience the true freedom and abundance and joy. So Father, I pray for my, my brothers and sisters here at THMC. Lord, as they desire to grow in faith, as they desire to know you more, as they desire to experience you in a fresh way, I pray that you will ground them and their identity in you in such a wholesome way that they will work from already being loved to wanting to be loved. They will start from being a friend of God and not trying to be a friend of God. So I bless this community, Lord that there would be great testimonies of, of the, the power that fuels their everyday what. That as they listen into you, as they, uh, they have the posture to obey you, that they will experience amazing stories in their lives, Lord. At the end of the day, Father, we want to bring glory to your name, and we want to bring smile to your face. Thank you, Lord, for our opportunity, that privilege to know your heart and to be your friend. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.